Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Aaron Torres, uh, Fox Sports Radio, as well as the Aaron Torres podcast. And my guy, AT, as always, appreciate you joining us. How are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing good, fellas. How are the Razorbacks doing? I know we got a little double dip today, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. So far, they're winning. So uh, as long as they're good. as long as they're winning, that's uh, that's all that matters. But uh, the thing is, is with with uh, the basketball side of things, though, too, man, it's wild to me how the season ends and it gets about as busy or as about as interesting yep. as anything when it comes to this transfer portal and seeing the names and the players that are coming into it. It's it's just become it's its own season of itself where it's exciting, it's frustrating, but it's also crazy. <laughs> uh, all three of the above, and you know, I think. Listen, I I think we've kind of said in passing, you know, April and May, like how important they are. Like we we've, we've discussed it. I, I think this is the year that it's official. Like like if you're not putting you know boots on the ground, if you're not everywhere at one time you're falling behind for next year. And, 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 you know, I, I don't think it's necessarily been quite like this in previous years where, you know, you, you still wanted to recruit kind of the high school ranks, but now, I mean, you have coaches openly talking about, you know, Todd Golden, the coach at Florida specifically is one that comes to mind. He basically said, I'm not recruiting high school players anymore. Um, basically our roster is going to be put together in April and May. And, you know, there's an exception to every rule. He said, you know, if it's the right kid or if he wants to be a Florida Gator or whatever, there's an exception to every rule, but the point being is that now more than ever, this is how you put your roster together. And so it's interesting because obviously I know the three of us have talked about this for years, but I think Eric Musselman was a little bit ahead of the curve. Um, but now everybody's doing it, but I still don't know that anybody does it as well as coach Muss and the Razorbacks. So they're obviously on a lot of kids, you know, we'll see who they end up with. I like the Menafield kid that they've already got committed. I'm sure they probably want at least two or three more bodies before this whole cycle is done. But to your point, John, it is crazy. You know, I, I, I probably even when I was in Houston for the final four, spent a lot of time just kind of monitoring everything. And now you come back and it is full speed ahead with all the portal stuff. You mentioned Menafield there. What is it that you like about his game? What does he add to the Razorbacks roster? Well, I think the number one thing is, um, you know, to play for Coach Muss, you got to compete on both ends of the floor, and everybody wants to put the ball in the basket. You know, it's it's what we all want to do when we're a kid when you first pick up that basketball. But but you know, Menafield's a tenacious defender, and especially on the perimeter. Um, you know, I think obviously, I think we all assume that Devo Davis is going to be back, and and if he is, that's that's a pretty lethal one-two punch defensively. And then you know, you add Jordan Walsh potentially, who I know hasn't made any official declaration, at least not one that I've seen. Now, all of a sudden, you're talking about an elite, elite, elite defensive team. Um, I think on top of that, and it goes without saying, um, you know, shot the ball pretty well as a true freshman this year in college basketball. You'd expect that to improve in his second full year. And obviously, I know for Arkansas fans, that has been an area uh, that, that I know that fans have wanted addressed this offseason was the, the three-point shooting wasn't great this past year. How can it get better? I know Menafield shot 33% as a freshman this year at Washington. So, that ability to me, Joe, to do it on both ends of the floor. Um, I think we, we all look at the stat sheet and how many points did he have against this team, but to compete on the defensive end of the floor as a young player, I think that's a great sign for what he'll bring to Fayetteville next year. Well, of course, and uh, they're going to be hosting a few visits and talking with some guys too, but the one that everyone keeps just trying to wonder if there's any legit interest there is, of course, Hunter Dickinson, one of the biggest, if not the biggest name, 
in the transfer portal. He did say that he had a Zoom meeting with Arkansas. And I, first off, I'm curious about what you think about his game and, and maybe where you think he ends up. But also, somebody like him, a big-name player that just jumps into the portal is just crazy where you think about he had it going at Michigan. He had a lot of great things going. They didn't have the year that they probably wanted. But seeing some of these big names is just so shocking sometimes when the portal hits and they had so much success at the previous stop. Yeah, no, John. I mean, I, I mean, I was in Houston um, last Friday. It was probably right around this time when it happened, and I did the double take. You know, I, I I saw whoever was the first one to have the news, and I made sure it wasn't a fake account. And I was like, this can't be possible. But you know, it's the new world, and and I think a few things is one. Um, listen, you know, we all know the NIL stuff, et cetera, but I think there's also a lot of cases where whether it's a coaching change, whether it's a disappointing year, whether it's whatever. I think, you know, increasingly we're going to see guys just enter the portal just to kind of see what's out there. Now, that's not going to be everybody. There's a lot of people that are going to be happy with where they're at. There's going to be a lot of people coming off a disappointing year. or They feel like they should be doing more. You know, it's crazy because Ryan Nemhard, who was the, the starting point guard on Creighton, you know, I was told that, that his family thinks that, you know, he he needs a bigger role. And he was the – he led – Creighton in minutes played and they just made the elite eight. So I don't know how much bigger of a role you can get somewhere else, but like, I think they want to see what else is out there. And so, you know, with Hunter Dickinson, it's the same thing. Now, as far as being a player is concerned, I'll say this is that, you know, I've kind of changed my tune a little bit on, you know, the traditional big man over the last couple of days and, and really weeks is, you know, you see how big UConn was, um, and the way that, you know, teams just got in the paint and they just were surrounded by big bodies, it really struck me is that, you know, I think we were all ready to just kind of write off big guys and, you know, it's a guard sport and, you know, you got to be able to shoot threes and five guards on the floor at the same time. Like, I do still think there is value on both ends where on the one end you can dump the ball down to a guy that's seven foot one and, and he's probably either going to get a bucket or go to the foul line. But then two, defensively the problem that it the problems that it creates around the rim now he's not an elite level rim protector where he's blocking four shots a game or anything like that but it creates problems for the other team so I I think you know wherever he goes he's going to to have a lot of success Um, you know with Arkansas I think it's it's just it's it's too hard to say what kind of impact and, and what he would do because we don't really know who would be with him and around him obviously Trevin Brazil will be back uh, Jalen Graham will be back, but listen, you know, I think if, if you have the chance to get this kid one, you at least, you know, you make the phone call, right? I mean, you, you just see what he's interested in. What, is it about fit? Is it about style? Is it about strictly NIL? Is it about a fresh start? Is there a geographic, you know, does he just want to, you know, play wherever? Um, and then from there you figure out, is he going to fit and, and is he the right person for our team? But, you know, I, I obviously we know that Coach Moss and his staff at this time of year leave no stone unturned. And so, you know, just because there's a Zoom meeting doesn't mean that um, the school's interest. You know, I, I think there's mutual interest, but it doesn't mean that an offer's coming or a visit's coming or a commitment is coming. But you got to make that call. And I, and I give Coach Moss and his staff credit for getting on, the, on that Zoom, seeing what Hunter Dickinson's about, seeing if it makes sense for what Arkansas is trying to build for 2023-2024. And then you kind of just take it from there and see if uh, see if there's there's further interest beyond that. Aaron, is it to the point where you can't be taken by surprise by some of the names that are putting their names in a transfer portal? Now, they do have the option to return to the school where they currently are, but should this just be the expectation from now on that you know that every year there are going to be names that you wouldn't think would get in the portal, but 
you just expect that to happen. I think that's where we're at, Joe. I do, and, and it, it was, you know, I don't know if funny is the right word, but ironic, interesting, whatever. But even as I was traveling back from Houston, um, I'm getting texts about, hey, have you heard this about this UConn guy or that UConn guy? And these are good players. Like, guys that just played in a national championship game the night before is like, well, you know, we hear he might be looking for this or he might want that or his high school coach is there, so maybe he'll consider this. And I just, you know, listen, when Hunter Dickinson enters, when Orion Nemhard from Creighton enters, like you're still going to be surprised, but like I, I don't think there's any one player. Um, like like I think every situation is just different, and I, I I think one thing, you know, that Eric Musselman has done, he kind of he's he said this before publicly is like we operate on a year to year basis. We don't, you know, we you know we recruit certain guys hoping they're going to be here two, three, four years, but we don't ever go in with that assumption. Um, and so yeah, like like I just don't. I, I think in this era. You just never know. And, and I think also because the rosters change so fast, you know, the plan that you had for a player, um, you know, that can change as well where, where, you know, I'll, I'll just give you guys an example, right? So like, you know, Oscar Shebway at Kentucky technically has a year of eligibility. Um, his plan was to go pro after this year and, and Kentucky kind of recruited a roster, um, you know, to, to, you know, replace Oscar Shebway basically. And, you know, if you read the Kentucky message boards and stuff, I, I don't have any personal intel into whether this will happen. But, you know, if, if there's great NIL money for Oscar Shibway somewhere in college basketball, like the in- inclination seems to be that he would consider returning. Well, does he return to Kentucky? I mean, imagine that, you know, Oscar Shibway, the national player of the year two years ago, na- nation's leading rebounder, literally statistically one of the great rebounders in college basketball history. Like, I don't think he's going to end up in the portal. But I don't think it's like completely zero point zero 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 percent either, and so I just bring it up to say, Joe, I, I actually very much agree with that sentiment. Is that you're, there's always going to be surprised, but you, you you also can't be surprised either, right? Caleb Love, Caleb Love literally hit one of the most iconic shots in college basketball history. He basically ended Coach K's career in a Final Four. I mean, just think about that. Ended Coach K's career in a Final Four wearing a North Carolina jersey. And a year later, he's transferring to Michigan. It's just the world we live in. You know, it, it, you know to me, I, I don't know where you guys stand. I don't know if it's good or bad. I just accept that this is where we are. And, you know, maybe at some point it scales back a little bit or whatever. Um, but it is a crazy world. And I think at this point, you just you can't really ultimately be that surprised by any individual that ends up deciding to look at other options. UConn had a couple of players on the roster that were there from the transfer portal. But for the most part, Dan Hurley, he likes to shape the roster around players that have been there in the program. So there will be interest in players wanting to go to UConn, but will UConn show that same mutual interest in bringing in players? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, a couple people were asking me about this earlier this week. You know, UConn almost hit the portal by necessity last offseason. They, they had two or three guys that they brought in that they thought were going to be part of the developmental process that just said, you know what, screw it, I'm going somewhere else. And um, you know, notably Corey Floyd, who, who ended up at Providence, um, you know, he was a redshirt last year, um, was brought into redshirt, knew he was going to redshirt, um, and decided to leave after a redshirt year. And like, like Dan Hurley made some pretty pointed comments last summer where he didn't name names, but, but like he called some people out, like, you know, we put together a plan for you and, and you changed things up. And so, it worked out best because because Tristan Newton, um, you know, who was a starter on Monday night's championship team, ended up coming through the portal and became a priority because of some of those guys that decided to leave. 
Um, but at the same time, you know, I think UConn is in a weird position because uh, Jordan Hawkins, who was probably their best player this year, he declared earlier this morning for the NBA draft, earlier this afternoon, excuse me. But outside of him, there's nobody that's like a surefire NBA player. So they could return actually a reasonable amount of talent off last year's raw, off this year's roster, I should say. Um, but they are working the portal. You know, I think the, the one thing that they'll need is somebody to replace Jordan Hawkins, the the, the shooting guard who was such a great three point shooter. Uh, they've targeted a few guys, you know, Nick Timberlake from Towson, um, you know, whoever. I mean, I don't know if you guys care or not, but the point is they, they've reached out to a few guys, and, and that seems to be the one priority. Um, and Dan Hurley said it, you know, at, at media availability during the Final Fours, like, you know, we still do believe that you can have a balance of both. You can develop players in your program um, and then supplement through the portal. I don't really know how realistic that is in 2023, 2024, but UConn still believes it can be done. And I think the interesting part will be um, who ends up coming back off that title team. And then also, let's be honest, the, the trickle-down effects that could come with it is that, you know, Jordan Hawkins is gone, but if two or three players that you expect to come, that you were not expecting to come back do, does that mean that other guys enter the portal? Does that mean that, you know, I'm not saying this will happen, I'm, I'm not speculating that it will, but does a high school player then say, well, now my path to playing time isn't there because – this junior or senior that was supposed to graduate is now coming back and using an extra year of eligibility. I want out. So, you know, nobody in this new world has it perfect, you know, um, but you know, Dan Hurley, like everybody else, you know, you kind of got to rally and, and, and whatever hand you're dealt, you got to deal with it. <laughs> you know, obviously UConn, uh, you know, has, uh, you know, the, the, the championship to hang their hat on. So the, the problems probably sting a little bit less than they do for some other teams. But, you know, all 360, whatever Division One teams are dealing with this right now, I don't think anybody's immune to it in 2023-2024. Now, Aaron, I know that, uh, you, you know, you brought up UConn, and I love how people put out these way too early top 25s for next year when it's like nobody even knows what the rosters are going to look like. So it is pretty fascinating. Well, yeah, so mine was the best, though. Uh, of so. course, of course it nah, was. Kidding, of course it was, yeah. But uh, it's like it's funny to me, though, because – there are some teams that may uh, be under some extreme pressure next year. Some coaches that may be under extreme pressure where it's like, hey, you got to win. I feel like Kentucky is one of those. Uh, I feel like North Carolina, especially after the past year that they had, are one of those. Maybe even Michigan. But as far as some of the coaches and teams that you feel like are on the most have the most pressure next year, who do you think is the ones that have to get it going, have to have a big offseason, have to have a big portal season, and be able to win immediately next year? Yeah, first of all, I'll say this, John. I know you're just joking, but but I will tell you, it's mostly because of the portal and the COVID waiver. I've done these way too early top 25s at the end of the season, pretty much, you know, for about a decade now, whatever, whenever they started becoming in vogue, this was by far the toughest one because, you know, you have fifth and sixth year, you know, I, I think it's, it's the combination of the COVID year with NIL, right? Where guys that are 23, 24, you know, four years ago, they just would have said, screw college. I'm not doing another year. But now, you know, with, with, with NIL, you can make real money in college. And so the point I'm trying to make is, you know, there's going to be some fourth, fifth, six-year guys that say, you know what, I'm good, I'm done with college, I'm going to try the professional ranks. And then there are others that are just going to say, you know what, I'll, I can make decent money playing at fill-in-the-blank school. I'm going to, you know, see what's out there. So I will say it was harder to put together than ever before. It's fun, whatever, who cares? The rosters will be finalized here in the next probably six weeks or so. Um but as far as teams are concerned, you know, I would say North Carolina is probably the one. Now, Michigan is, too. You know, they've had back-to-back -back losing seasons or back-to-back -back disappointing seasons, I really should say. Um, you lose Hunter Dickinson. Um, that's just a bad look for the head coach. I mean, basically every prime, you know, primetime recruit 
that Juwan Howard has brought in as either left early for the NBA draft, um, transferred, whatever. Um, but from the Blue Blood perspective, listen, you know, North Carolina is the big one to me. I mean, you just can't go to the NIT at North Carolina, especially, by the way, um, when you started the season ranked number one in the country. Um, but I would also say with, with that, um, it does appear to me, um, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but it does feel like they're trying to pin pretty much everything on Caleb Love. I mean, most of the rest of the team is coming back. Um, you know, Jeff Goodman, I think, was the guy that reported when Caleb Love entered the portal that it was quote-unquote mutual. I'm sorry, you don't send a, a player leaving to going to the portal isn't mutual unless you basically don't want him back. Like, like you know, a three-year starter going to the portal basically means that you don't want him back. So I think there's some pressure there. And then the Kentucky stuff, it, you know, it goes without saying. I mean, you know, I'm not as sour on the Kentucky program as a lot of people. Uh, they dealt with, you know, it was almost like an Arkansas deal where they just, they never had the same lineup for two, three, four games in a row. And you look at their season, they swept Tennessee. They obviously won at Bud Walton. They beat Auburn. Um, and, you know, they, they, you know, I think it's easy to forget now. They were up with under four minutes to go against Kansas State before Kansas State rallied to win. So, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you win that game, you're in the Sweet 16, and, and who knows what happens from there. So, you know, Calipari's going to do the Calipari stuff, but but it is at a weird tipping point at Kentucky where it does sort of feel like, like you know, he's got the number one recruiting class coming in. Um, you know, his star recruit is a former player, you know, is the son of a former player of his. It does kind of feel like if, if he doesn't turn it around next year, I think that's sort of when Kentucky can sort of, Nagel its way out of that lifetime contract. It's not really a lifetime contract, but basically this year there was nothing they could really do about it. Next year you can kind of start to, like I said, wiggle your way out of it. So for Calipari, I mean, listen, the clock's ticking. I mean, hasn't made the second weekend of the tournament since 2019, right? So in Arkansas fan, you've been there three times since Kentucky's been there last. So it's going to be a fascinating offseason. And then obviously a fascinating regular season because to your point, John, I think it's a good one. Whether it is North Carolina, you know, um, Michigan, Kentucky specifically, there's a lot of coaches that, that I, I think have to start producing results uh, early next season. Aaron, we have about a minute left. Adama Sanogo, who was the uh, most dominant player in the NCAA tournament and maybe, and he was the most outstanding player of the NCAA tournament, any indication on his intentions on either returning to UConn or submitting for the NBA draft? Yeah, I'll try to be quick here, guys. You know, being there um, in Houston, I'll tell you, you know, he's almost an Oscar Shibway where he doesn't project as a great NBA player. Um, but the complication with it is like Oscar Shibway, there's some complications with NIL because he's a foreign student. It's not as simple as he can just do whatever somebody offers him. Um, but I know that UConn is working hard behind the scenes where if he wants to come back, he will be able to take care of his family. Um, and I think it sets up an interesting kind of follow-up there with the, the freshman center, Donovan Klingen, who does have probably a little bit more NBA upside. You know, I, I, I can't see if Adama comes back, I can't see Donovan Klingen coming back to be a backup again. So does that mean that he goes to the portal? Does that mean that he declares for the draft? So my guess is of those two big centers, one of them is back for UConn next year. I really, as weird as it sounds, it's hard for me to even say who that would be. I don't think you get both back, though. If, if Sonogo returns, Klingon probably tests the NBA draft waters. If Sonogo does not return, then I think Klingon probably stays and tries to carve out a bigger role and goes to the pros after next season. 
Well, Aaron, as always, man, we appreciate you joining us. I know it's a crazy time for you, but it's a fun time for everybody when it comes to uh, right now in the world of sports. So we appreciate you hopping on, talking a little basketball with us. Enjoy your weekend, dude. We'll be catching up with you later, all right? All right. Thank you both. Have a great afternoon. Thank you.